So I have the privilege of introducing Ruth, who is bringing the word to us today. Come. Father, I just thank you for my faithful friend. And Lord, I pray that as she speaks this morning, Father, that you would just take her words and you would mix them with the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, and that we would have hearts that are open to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of being able to hear your word, Lord, and hear it via Ruth. And we just pray that you would bless her now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you. Am I on? Excellent. Um... So, we're going to talk about God's presence and the promise and the power of God's presence, um, which has already um, come up this morning, which, as my friends who preach will tell you, is a great uh, confidence booster when you know you're not going too far off track. I really felt when I was preparing um, that as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt some people, and it will feel different to different people, but if you have a thought or that you know that that's the Holy Spirit speaking, or you see a picture and you think, that's a bit out there. That's a little bit extra. That's a bit extreme. That's not going to happen. I'm never going to do that. I will probably 99% guarantee that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And I would really encourage you to make a note of it, however you choose to do that, and to remember it, because I can guarantee you will then have some doubt. Some voices will come and challenge what you've seen and what you think you've heard and what you think God has said to you. But make a note of it because, um, you know, when God challenges us in the moment, it's for something greater. Pamela has already brought that word this morning about the next step. So I really encourage you to not just listen to me, uh, but in fact to more, listen to the Holy Spirit um, as he's speaking to you. Um, we're going to start uh, in Genesis 1 this morning. So if you'd like to turn that up. Um, I'm using uh, my very beautiful message Bible that my husband bought me for Christmas that has colouring pages, so that keeps me very happy. So I'm reading from the message, so your translation might not match exactly, but hopefully the screen will. We're just going to read the first two verses. It says, First this, God created the heavens and earth, all you see and all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness. An inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. And so if we can now turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. These, for most of you, will be quite familiar scriptures. But they're the foundation that we're going to work from this morning. So John chapter 1. And again, just the first two verses. The word was first. The word present to God. God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. And we can already see just in those four verses that Father, Son and Holy Spirit were present at the beginning. The spirit brooded or hovered above the waters. The word, which is speaking of Jesus, was with God, present to God from the beginning. And of course, God the Father from the beginning. They were all present. And they have always been present uh, to us and to God's people right from the beginning of time, right up until today. And God promises 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He promises that his presence will be with us right to the end of the age, right till the end of time. And if we turn to Revelation 22, which is a good place to find out how things end. I've got quite a lot of scripture. I don't apologize for that. You just have to keep up. (laughs) Revelation 22. Again, I'm in the message. Uh, Verses 1 to 5, I think. Then the angel showed me the water of life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb, right down the middle of the street. The tree of life was planted on each side of the river, producing 12 kinds of fruit, a ripe fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Never again will anything be cursed. The throne of God and the Lamb is at the centre. His servants will offer God service, worshipping. They'll look on his face, their foreheads mirroring God. Never again will there be any night. No one will need lamplight or sunlight. The shining of God, the master, is all the light anyone needs. And they will rule with him age after age after age. And that's talking about us. Those in God's presence, we're the ones who are going to have shiny foreheads. No need for lamps or torches or even sunlight. But simply God's light will be enough and we will be with him right to the end of the age. And then just one more. Back to Matthew 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And it's the very last bit of... uh, Actually, I'll read all of that bit. So from Matthew 28, verse 18. Meanwhile, the eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some, though held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorised and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And there are many, many, many other promises in God's word that he will be with us day after day from the beginning of time to the end of the age. And I find it quite easy to deal in fact. I've worked in IT, I now work in clinical uh, area, I work on cancer pathways. We deal a lot in fact. This is this, this is not this. A lot of us, day to day, we deal with facts. And when I deal with facts, for me, it takes out the relationship that something has. And so God's presence here, we can look at the scriptures as a theological tool, as a theological reference point. And God's presence, we've established, is fact. He has promised it as fact. But actually, God is about relationship. He's not just about fact. And so his presence to us is a promise. He has made us each personal promises to be with us right from the beginning of time through a day after day after day right until the end of the age. And it's promises that we need on, in the times where it's difficult. You know, we, we think about our, our heart. So most of us, I think, hopefully in this room, have a heart that's beating. And unless anybody's got a pacemaker or an LVAD, 
you're going to destroy my illustration. But hopefully everybody's heart is beating on its own without any assistance. Okay. And most of the time, we're not aware of it. It just beats away. It keeps going. There are times when we are aware of it. We might be able to feel it. You might be able to hear it. You might, if you're plugged up to a machine, be able to see it beating away. But it's there. It's going all the time. And we can get a little bit, oh, it's a fact, it's a heart, it's a beat. But when you get into the biology of this, and this is where I'm going to geek out. He can geek out about his planes, and we all know how much Dan loves planes now, if you were here. Biology is my thing, and this is where I get excited. When you get into the biology of a heart beating, the mechanics, the chemistry, the electronics, the plumbing... It's more than just a fact that your heart beats. It's re- Well, I'm really excited. It's really exciting. It's really amazing. And that's what God's promise of his presence is to us. It's so much more than fact. So much more. And God's promise, the Trinity's promise to be present to us, is so much more than just fact. You know, God says a lot in his word, like I just said. There are a lot of verses that, that tell us about his promise Jeremiah 30, 22, so you will be my people and I will be your God. Leviticus 26, verse 12, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Ezekiel 36, 2, then you will live in the land I gave to your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. I think it is probably the thing God says the most in the word that I am with you. It's a promise that has always brooded and hovered over us, and it has been constantly sung and spoken over us. Even in the wilderness, when we read that about that in the Bible, even in exile, even in the belly of the whale, God's presence, and I'm talking about God the Trinity, God's presence was there with those people. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, the promise of his presence stands, because promises are for the bad days, the tough days, the messy days, the scary days, the numb days, I'm going to need a drinking pause, sorry, Ah, the numb days and the excruciating days, that's when we need his promises. And when we have promises from God, they get tested. If God's given you a promise, it'll get tested, not by him, but by life and everything else that comes with it. And so that's why we need those promises. They're personal to us. It's more than just fact. Because God's promises never fail. They never come up short. They don't expire. You can't wear them out. You know, there are things I've reminded God about time and time and time again. And his promise doesn't wear out. It stands all the time. His promises are things that you can build your life on. And many of us have done that. We've staked a claim for something because God promised it to us. And he never lets us down. And when he makes a promise about his presence, it's accompanied by power. And that looks different as we read through different parts of the Bible. His power is different at different times. So can we have a look at Exodus 33, verse 12? Okay. This is Moses and God. Moses used to take the tent and set it up outside the camp some distance away. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who sought God would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. I'm not reading the right bit, am I? 
Uh, Okay, I don't have verse numbers in this Bible. Should have marked that, sorry. Moses said to God, look, you tell me, lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. You tell me, I know you well and you are special to me. If I am so special to you, let me in on your plans. That way I will continue being special to you. Don't forget, this, your people, your responsibility. God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special, I and your people, among all other people on this planet Earth? God said to Moses, all right, just as you say, this also I will do, for I know you well and you are special to me. I know you by name. Moses said, please let me see your glory. God said, I will make my goodness pass right in front of you. I'll call out the name God right before you. I'll treat well whomever I want to treat well, and I'll be kind to whomever I want to be kind. God continued, but you may not see my face. No one can see me and live. God said, look, here is a place right beside me. Put yourself in this rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back, but you won't see my face. The power of God's holy presence was so much that people would die when they were in contact with his presence. When you read through uh, the older books in the Bible, the priests, they were in robes. They put bells around the bottom of their robes and a rope around their ankle. So when they went into the holiest of holies and they dropped down dead because of God's awesome presence, the bell stopped jingling and they knew to pull the rope. It's in there, seriously. The presence of God was so incredible, people could not see his face and live. His, but the power of his presence was so great that when plagues devoured Egypt, his nation was saved. Tribes with armies that shouldn't have won battles, won battles. Nation, a nation was saved because waters were parted and then closed again and their enemies were drowned. Thousands should have starved to death through seven years of famine, but because of the power of God's presence, they didn't. The spirit moved and God's presence came down in fire, in cloud and in rain. Sometimes I think in our charismatic circles, we can get a bit just not aligned that Holy Spirit means God moves in this, in this way. And before Holy Spirit, nothing really happened. I challenge you to go back in the Old Testament and see what went off when the spirit who was present did different things. Called down fire, stopped rain, called down rain. Pillars of clouds guiding people, the manna in the desert, that's all God's presence and power to his people. And then there was the promise of the Messiah, and that's prophesied over and over again through the Bible. And he came in great humility. In a cow shed, Jesus stepped out of heaven and became, he was born, a baby boy. And the whole of the Trinity was in that baby boy. God's presence, everything, was in that baby. I'm going to read one, I think, one more passage. I'm going to go back to John 1. Because I like the way it says this. I'm just going to read. I don't know what the verse is, Paul. You'll have to, or Gina, you'll have to find me. But it's about halfway through. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. 
the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I like the imagery that he moved into the neighborhood. Jesus was present with us. We talked about God and his presence being so awesome that people dropped down dead. But now God in his presence was Jesus, a man who could be seen, who could be touched, who could be heard. You could eat a meal with him. You could have a chat with him. He loved to be around people. And the promise of Jesus' presence, it brought healing. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the mentally ill were restored, the lame could walk and the dead raised. His presence brought teaching and understanding. Crowds of thousands gathered to hear him. The fullness and wholeness of Almighty God present in one man. And what did he do? He talked with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, women, children. He sat and he ate with these people. People who were outcast and unlovely were invited in and were loved. The promise of Jesus' presence brought hope. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his cloak. She was completely outcast. She would not have been allowed to be in public. Certainly not in the middle of a crowded place. But something in her, the hopelessness that she will have endured, hearing and seeing Jesus, met her faith met his hope, and she was healed in that moment. And the promise that she needed was fulfilled simply by reaching out and touching Jesus. He was nailed up and he was crucified. But even in death, his presence and his promise was too strong. It was too great for the earth to contain because there was a great earthquake at the moment that he breathed his last. And tombs of believers opened and they were raised They were alive and they walked around and people saw them. Even the earth couldn't contain the power of his presence when he died. Death couldn't hold him. The stone that needed probably crowds of guards to move, he just moved his hand and it rolled out of the way. And he walked free from that boast of the grave. Death no longer had a sting. Sin was no longer an eternal death sentence. Hopelessness obliterated. Resurrection life now walked in the streets. Seen by those who knew and loved him, the Messiah had come, and then the Redeemer King ascended into heaven, taking his place at the right hand of the Father. And he said, uh, the last thing he said, he promised to the disciples was, wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. You know, when you have to tell your kids, those of you who are parents, wait. One of them rolls their eyes with a sigh, and the other one goes, wait, and then carries on doing the thing you're telling them not to do. Wait. He said, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And they did. And we read at the beginning of Acts what happened when the Holy Spirit came. And then we read the rest of Acts and all of the exploits that those disciples, that those apostles, that those crowds that became community, that became church, accomplished. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit from that moment. And the promise and the presence became manifest in them. And God's power was demonstrated in their words and actions. So God has spoken and he's acted in the Old Testament. And we see that in cloud and in fire and in rain and in many ways. And then Jesus comes and we have this person who embodies the power and the promise of his presence. And then the Holy Spirit arrives at that point. And he puts into the disciples everything that they need to act and to speak and to move and to spread God's power and his word all over the world. 
It says in Acts 2, verses 42 to 45, very familiar. Everyone was in awe, all those uh, words and signs through the apostles, and all the believers lived lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They shared whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that everyone's need was met. The promise of the Holy Spirit is not just about gifts or speaking in tongues or praying for people and laying on hands and seeing them healed. It brought unity. That's the first thing that we see, the Holy Spirit, when it broke out in these people, it brought them together, it brought unity. Thousands were added on a daily basis to the church. The Holy Spirit brings unity. It brings um, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It brings fruit that we grow in our lives. And then there are the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, words of knowledge and wisdom, gifts of faith, and others. It's not just about having a wobbly moment, falling down on the floor, wasn't that great, crack on a Monday morning as if nothing's happened. These things are in our lives for purpose so that we can do and see and speak the things that we've seen God the Father do, that we've seen Jesus the Son do. The Holy Spirit is what enables us to move into that dimension. And baptism in the Holy Spirit is the ignition in our lives to do this. For ourselves to do what we've seen and what we've heard. Dan brought that verse up about uh, in Acts. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us that kick every time. That we cannot help speaking about it. It's a greater promise that we have the Holy Spirit in us than simply fact. And baptism in the Spirit is how, is how this thing starts. And sometimes we can, we can forget about it. Sometimes we can park it. Sometimes for a lot of us it happened quite a long time ago. But it's not something that we should disregard and it's not something we should, we should forget to talk about or to believe in. It's a, the presence of God in us, which is what the Holy Spirit starts, is a comfort and a safety on the bad days, the tough days, the messy days the scary days, the numb days, and the excruciating days. And I'd like us this morning to pray for each other, for those who haven't been baptised in the Holy Spirit, because it's the promise and it's the power of God's presence in us to make change wherever we go, whatever we do with our week, wherever you are, whether you're in (laughs) theatre, whether you're in (laughs) theatre, whether you're in Birmingham, Wherever you are, the promise and the power of God's presence goes with you when we ask the Holy Spirit to come into us. And you might speak in tongues. That's a sign that we look for. You might have a bit of a shake. You might fall down. But it's not about feeling things. It's about knowing God's promise and his presence and his power in you to go out and do all those things in our everyday worlds that we read and hear about in here. And maybe some of you have had those prompts from the Holy Spirit, those things that are a bit extra, a bit out there. That's never going to happen. It's those things that you need the Holy Spirit for. It's for parenting that you need the Holy Spirit. It's for going to Westminster and having three minutes to to do what Wendy's going to do. Whatever it is that you're moving into, we need the Holy Spirit first and foremost.